Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Well, good evening, church. As I sit here in an empty sanctuary, staring at uh, just my incredible wife and a handful of people that I dearly love, uh, trying to make heads or tails of the world that we live in, uh, I want to speak to you now, as some of you have already figured out, uh, many of you may have watched news accounts earlier today, um, but effective midnight tonight, the entire state of California has been issued a shelter-in-place order by our governor. That means your travel is going to be extremely limited. Um, what we could do today, uh, we will not be able to do tomorrow. Uh, we're being given an extra day as business owners, uh, people who are uh, responsible for others. We have a business day tomorrow to put into place how we're going to close down the physical facility here at Calvary Chapel South Bay. And we're going to comply with that. As difficult as this is for me to say to you, uh, we really don't have any answers for why the government is choosing this path. Um, but we also know that God has a plan in all things. And while many of you may be thinking about throwing something at your television right now or your iPad or your uh, cell phone, the fact of the matter is the same God that was on the throne this morning is on the throne tonight. And we who love him and know him don't have a reason to fear. Uh, we have a reason to rejoice. And while the governor has stated that this will go on until the middle of April, uh, that means a month from now. What we don't know is what we don't know. And what we do know is what we do know. And what we do know is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That his grace that he offers by faith in Jesus Christ is still the offer for every person. That we who already know him and love him uh, have a kind of peace that the world is aching for right now. And I can tell you there is no time like now to minister to the people that are around you. I was reading this news article, and as I went through it, I have to confess, uh, there was a measure of anger because I, I realize that some of you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. Some of you are worried about losing your homes. Some of you tonight are thinking to yourself, how am I going to feed my children? What is my life going to look like tomorrow? And the answer to those questions are the same as people throughout history have had to answer. We don't know exactly what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. I can't tell you how all this is going to work out practically, but this order, which will stay in place until April 19th at a minimum, according to the governor, allows us to go get food at the grocery store. It allows us to go to our doctor's appointments. It affords us the opportunity to take a walk in our neighborhood, get our dogs some exercise or get ourselves some exercise, which will be vitally important in the days moving forward. To be painfully honest, we're going to face a new day and a new way of living tomorrow morning. And for many people, there's going to be some pent-up anger. And so I want to ask you right now, do everything in your power to not only comply with this order, but encourage people to be at peace. Now is not the time for us to hate on our neighbors. Now is not the time for us to get angry about something that we can do nothing about. It doesn't appear that the government is going to attempt to enforce this order. And so uh, until we start breaking this rule repeatedly, then those fines that they've said would come and those jail sentences that have been threatened, 
which would be up to six months for violators, I, I don't believe that they will enforce it. I don't expect to see the National Guard on the streets of Los Angeles tomorrow. What does that mean for us? What, what are we to do in a time like this when we aren't quite sure what tomorrow is going to look like? And I completely changed the study I was going to do tonight I feel is so inappropriate that I want to speak to you from exactly one verse. And it's a verse I hope you'll hang on to uh, as we move forward. I want to remind you that we are staying tonight, those of us that are still here, and we are putting together a plan to continue to bring you church. At least you'll have some normality. Um, We're going to film uh, in various locations. Um, Our worship team is going to film uh, songs. We'll may stay and do some more tonight. We'll certainly do some more tomorrow. Um, we're going to continue to teach the Word of God as we always have, and you're going to have to turn to this medium and tell your friends to turn to this medium uh, so that we can stay in fellowship with each other in a virtual way and so that we can continue to study God's Word because His Word is truth, and His Word will sustain us in this time. His word will strengthen us in this time, and we will get through this. This is not remotely the worst thing this country has ever faced. We're not looking at Japanese submarines off the coast uh, that are launching missiles into Long Beach as they did during our artillery shells from submarines into Long Beach and San Diego. Um, We're not under the threat of nuclear attack from a rogue Soviet Union. We have a very tiny virus that has been deemed by our government to be a threat of such a severity that these measures were necessary. And whether we agree with that assessment or not, the way that we respond to this will reflect on our Lord. And so I'm asking you as your pastor to respond in a way that honors Jesus. Romans 13 is very clear that we are to obey those that have been placed over us in authority in our government. They're not a threat to us. They were given to us by God and appointed by God, ostensibly to punish evildoers, to take care of existential threats to us. And so our governor is doing the best he can. And whether you elected him or did not elect him, God has placed him there. And God has allowed him to be our governor at this time. And I want you to honor him and respect him. Now is not the time for a rampant bunch of political speech. We need love. We need care. We need concern. And and we need the body of Christ to be what we are supposed to be. We, We shouldn't be on the blogs complaining. We should be out walking dogs and remaining. It's just time for us to do what God's made us for in this moment. And to that end, if you'd open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 26, one verse for you tonight and we'll pray. And that verse is at a time when the nation Israel was at its lowest, when it faced a very existential and very real threat from the kingdom of Assyria And in chapter 26, they're realizing that they're facing extinction. And they respond through the prophet Isaiah with a word to them this way. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are going to learn some new lessons about trusting you over this next month. And God, I want to pray for every heart that's afflicted and pierced tonight, for each one that's likely going to have trouble sleeping. I pray for every child that's fearful. Lord, we pray for those we already know and love and those that we've not yet met that are going through difficult times emotionally and mentally physically, practically, financially. You are the God of peace, and we come to you tonight 
and ask that you'd bring peace upon this nation, upon our state, our neighborhoods, that you would repel evil, Lord, as there are those who would seek to take advantage of this time. They would think about plundering businesses and wreaking havoc, Lord, in Jesus' name. Would you send angels to defend our businesses and our homes? Lord, would you cause those people to, to think rightly about their neighbor? And God, as we spend some time now in your word, would you encourage your church? Lord, we know that things that don't make us bitter will make us better. And so, God, we pray that you would just strengthen us all for what lies ahead and help us to accept with gladness what is going to be our reality tomorrow morning. And Lord, while we can't rejoice about the situation, we can rejoice in the situation. And so, Lord, give us hearts of rejoicing as our mind is stayed on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was pondering this passage, this wonderful promise that the prophet Isaiah gives comes at what could be deemed as the time of greatest fear for the nation Israel. And they had three enemies that they fought that were greater than the Assyrians. And those enemies were doubt and fear and worry. And as they faced those enemies, Assyria seemed to be the way that God encouraged them to, to think rightly about their situation. And they could see that it was a troublesome time, and we can see tonight that it's a troublesome time. But the threat really is internal for us. How will we respond to what we see today? What will happen in our hearts how will this cause us to grow is the question I ask you tonight. You know, when everything's going well, when everything is sunny side up, when the clouds are very slim in the sky and the sun is bright and it's a warm day at the beach, it's easy for us to rejoice. It's easy for us to have peace. But when the clouds come over the sun and disappointment comes and fear comes and our calm drifts away and the alarm goes off in our hearts, it is far more difficult for us to have peace. But I want to encourage you in a way that may seem strange to you tonight. There's not a single promise anywhere in the Bible that says we are not going to go through difficulty, that we are ever going to be completely free from trouble. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself reminded the disciples that in this world, you will have tribulation. But he said, don't fear because I've overcome the world. And so let's break this down for us tonight. Let's look at what the Lord, I think, would speak to us as a people because in the midst of this terrible fear that had overcome the Jewish people, there was also a promise in the midst of their trouble. Of what value would that freedom be that they would have if they didn't have inward peace? What would it be like if we won the fiercest battle while losing the war for who we are as a people? who we are as believers. So what really is this great blessing that the Lord's offered to us? Here in our passage, it's described as perfect peace. Not just regular peace, but perfect peace. And I think more than at any time in my life, as a nation, as a county, as adjoining cities, as little tiny communities of people, we're going to be looking for perfect peace. We're going to be looking for some kind of peace that's supernatural. Can we actually define this kind of peace? Is, is there something that we can look to, someone we can look to? Because the word that's used here in the Bible in this particular instance is the Hebrew word shalom. And it's not just a freedom from conflict. It's not that our 
shelves are full. full. It, it isn't that we have freedom of movement to go anywhere we want, whenever we want. This peace is something that's far different than that. It is a total soundness of a human being whose heart is filled with that which is freedom from discord of soul. In other words, that our soul is so stayed on the things of Christ that ultimately that overcomes everything else that's external. Church, those of you watching online, we are going to need soul peace during these days where we will be sheltered in place. The peace that God offers is offered also through his grace. It's not just a type of peace that you can go out and read a book about. It's a life that you live because your mind is stayed on Christ. You, you've come to that right relationship with the Lord Jesus. And if you're watching and you don't know the Lord, tonight for you ought well to be the day of salvation. You might want to consider why it is I can sit here and speak to you at a time you don't know me and I don't know you, but I can tell you I am not worried about what tomorrow brings. I don't like some of the circumstances that are going on. I don't even know that I necessarily agree with all the assessments that have been made. But my heart is at peace, and it's going to stay at peace. And that peace comes from my relationship with the Lord Jesus. It doesn't come because I think everything is going to be perfect tomorrow when I wake up. I'm sure it's not. But I know the perfect one, and that perfect peace is going to get all of us through this. God offers a practical side to this peace as well. In Mark's gospel, a passage that I shared with the body, its companion found there in uh, Matthew's gospel, but in Mark chapter 4, we find the story of the disciples. And it says there in verse 35 that on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. The disciples had been together. They're tired. They'd met with the multitude. had taken a lot out of them. And when they'd left the multitude, they took him along in the boat, and he was there with them, and other little boats also with them. So there's this little tiny flotilla of boats on the Sea of Galilee, and they're heading out into a storm. Oddly enough, Matthew's gospel tells us that Jesus actually knew the storm was coming. And in fact, he pushed the disciples, this little tiny flotilla of little wooden boats, out into the Sea of Galilee. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was already filling. In other words, they're about to drown. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And I want you to take a minute to think on that. When the storm is raging, when the seas are billowing, when life seems like it's come undone, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is quite comfortable taking a nap. He doesn't get worked up by the storms that we face because he is so far superior to the things that threaten us that he doesn't need to worry one bit. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And maybe tonight some of you are saying the same thing. Lord, don't you care that I don't know how I'm going to make my house payment? Lord, don't you know that we haven't stocked up on groceries? God, aren't you aware that I'm not going to be able to work for a month? Don't forget the disciples. We're about to drown. We're going down to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Don't you care that we're about to perish? And he arose, and with the word of his mouth, he rebuked the sea, 
and said, peace, be still. And at that command, don't forget who made the molecules that make up the air. Don't forget who made the atoms that make up the molecules that make up the water. Don't forget the one who created the tree that made the wood, that made the boat. Don't forget the one who fearfully and wonderfully crafted every one of those people out in the middle of the sea. Don't forget the one who's created you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what you're thinking. He knows why you're thinking it. But the one who spoke you into existence, this world into existence, spoke again to his creation, and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But I want you to notice to what extent the Lord held the believers, the body of Christ, culpable for their fear. And I believe tonight this is very important for us as the church, as the body of Christ, because the world that does not know the Lord is going to be watching how we who claim to have the peace of God are going to respond to the situation. Exactly as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, if we will make our request known to God, give him our supplications, make known to him our requests, if we submit ourselves to him, then we also will have the peace of God that surpasses our own human understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 40, what Jesus says. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, the love of God and the faith that we have in Christ is what's going to get us through the fears that are no doubt going to flood our minds. But if we allow the enemy to dig into our brains, if we allow the fear to overcome uh, our thought processes, if all we think about is the horrible things that may happen, then it may well be said of us, where's our faith? Your unsaved family are going to see if you have faith. Our nation is going to look and see if the church will rise up in faith. Your coworkers may call you to see if your faith that you profess to them at work is actually genuine. We as a church are going to be called to, to be a witness in this world when everybody else is freaking out, when we're screaming, don't you care? then the world is going to wonder whether our Jesus is real. And so I want you to know that you have a unique opportunity like I've never seen in my lifetime to be used to bring about revival to this nation. What the world needs right now is to see the people of God stand up with one voice and say, we shall not be moved. The Apostle Paul writing the to the church in the book of Acts, or in chapter 20, after explaining his own insanity that had happened in his life, how he'd been tested and tried and beaten. He said, yet in all of these things, I let none of them move me. The world's looking to see if we're going to be moved. The world's looking to see if we're going to go on the blogs and complain about everyone and everything. The world is going to be looking to see whether we're going to be good neighbors, whether we're going to be kind, whether we're going to share, whether we're going to do what the Bible says we should do as the church. And so we can either be the catalyst for a revival or we can be the reason that people turn away from the Lord. No doubt which one of those things I choose. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And, and tonight I chastise no one, but I have one opportunity to speak at the beginning of this, and I want to take it to its fullest. God calls us to peace in Christ Jesus, perfect peace. And I want to give you some things to think on when you think about perfect peace. 
What sense is that peace we have perfect? And the first thing that I would tell you that the peace that we have in Christ is perfect in its quality. But I can also tell you that there's imperfect peace. That without a doubt, there is peace that some people are going to look for that is, is the peace that will never sustain them. There is an imperfect peace in my mind as I think about the situation we face. There is a peace of ignorance. And whether that's the peace that all was going well and somebody messed it up, or there's the peace of the conspiracy theorists, or there's the peace that all of this could have been avoided, the, the things that we might say, if we had that, we'd have peace. There is an imperfect peace of ignorance. We, we can wander around blaming each other. We can wander around blaming our government. We can be ignorant of the fact, and the fact of the matter is, this did not catch God by surprise. God didn't wake up and all of a sudden go, man, I, I, I never saw Governor Newsom making that announcement today. There's also an imperfect peace, and I, I say this to each of you tonight who knows the Lord of stagnation. Maybe you've had imperfect peace. You've had a kind of peace, but it's imperfect peace because your peace has come because you're stagnant in the kingdom. You've been doing little or nothing about your relationship with the Lord. The water of your life and that sense has become foul. It's become green. It's bearing mosquitoes, maybe. You see, you can have peace when you do nothing. And I think some of the church has been doing nothing. And so we've had the imperfect peace that comes from being unuseful to the king and for the kingdom. There's also an imperfect peace that can come to us from dependence on something other than the Prince of Peace. And that type of imperfect peace may be the worst one of all in this situation because we've been dependent on our bank accounts. We've been dependent on the increase in the value of our homes. We've been dependent upon our jobs or our government. We've been dependent on all kinds of things, but we have not depended on the Lord. Oh, we say we have, and to some degree, I even would believe that we believe we have. But I think many people had peace because they were so dependent on other things that those other things took away their bankruptcy from depending on God. They didn't see themselves in need of relationship with the Lord Jesus. And when those things fail, which tonight they're failing, when, when our bank accounts and our retirement accounts and the availability of things that we love goes away, when there's failure in the things that we have substituted for the king, then we're very prone to have our peace walk away from us as well because we had the imperfect peace of depending on something other than the Lord we are going to have to depend on the Lord. There's no two ways about it tonight. Now, in contrast to these three kinds of imperfect peace, God's peace actually is perfect. It's perfect in quality because no one can give it except the Lord himself. But it's also perfect in quantity. And that's to just simply say this, the supply of God's peace is completely sufficient for everything that we need. Now, you may be saying tonight, well, that's good for you. You're a pastor. I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. And I have the same cares that you do. I wonder what's going to happen to my children. I wonder how my wife and I are going to get through this time. I have two very large Labradors that are going to go completely buggy. There are all kinds of things that we, we share in common. 
And my needs may be different than yours. Perhaps our family's needs may be different than yours. But nonetheless, uh, I have some needs that only the Prince of Peace can take care of. Uh, I don't know how we're going to take care of this facility and not even be able to be here. I don't know right now how we're going to take care of the nearly 100 people that derive their sole income from this facility, from this church, this building uh, that is also a business in that sense. I, I feel horrible that their lives may be impacted. So before you judge me for being a pastor, which I'm sure most of you aren't doing, but for those of you who might, because maybe you're watching tonight for the first time, we all have the reasons why our peace can be affected. But the Prince of Peace has something for every need. And it's interesting because in this particular passage in the book of Isaiah, there is a marginal rendering of the original Hebrew in this text. It basically says that we have peace, peace. There's, there's double peace. There's shalom, shalom. That the peace of God is peace on top of peace would be another way to look at it. And this is super significant for me as a, as a pastor and us as the church and for every heart and mind tonight that maybe is stirred up and wondering, you know, what's going to happen? There's a double peace. It's a peace of heart and the peace of mind. It's the peace that wraps around all the stuff that we have and, and says, Jeff, I've, I've got this. God speaks into our lives tonight. God has got this. Now, I don't know how God's going to respond tomorrow. I, I don't know what miracle he'll bring to bear. I have no idea whether we're going to have a cure, some antiviral drug that is being worked on right now by a scientist in some obscure lab, and we should be praying and will pray before we end tonight for those researchers that are, that are breaking every single record that we can think of about how quickly they've turned around new tests, new medicines. There are people working around the clock to try and find some type of a cure to this dreaded virus. But this double piece has two meanings to us, exactly as Paul would write in Philippians 4, verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses our human understanding. In other words, it's not the understanding our president has. It's way above his pay grade. What you think about our president and what he's done is of no consequence to what God can do. Whether you like what he's done or don't like what he's done, I personally give him tremendous credit. No one, no president in my lifetime has faced anything like this, save perhaps John F. Kennedy in the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's the only thing that I can think of that comes into view. So this is unprecedented for us to even think about uh, most of us that are alive today. But we have the double peace because we have peace with God. Exactly what Romans 5.1 declares. I, I have peace with God as a believer. If you don't have that peace tonight, you want to have peace with God because he's your advocate. He's on your side. He loves you. And we also have the peace of God. And that's that Philippians 4.7 peace. It's the type of peace you can only get from the Prince of Peace. And don't miss what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that people who don't know the Lord don't have any peace. I'm saying they don't have the peace that we have as believers in Christ Jesus. Because the peace I have is eternal peace. It's knowing that I have peace with God. If this virus were to take my life, I know exactly where I'm going to wake up. And that's going to be heaven. But I also have peace that God's got this under control, that whatever he allows, he has a purpose for. That's that Romans 8.28 peace, that peace that works all things together somehow for the good. Now, you're saying to yourself right now, what good can come of this? Well, let me give you a few things that could be really good. How about revival? How about our country gets away from this path that we've been on since the 1960s 
of self-serving pleasure, of a lack of care for one another, for the hatred, the anger, the racism, the things that still plague our nation. We still have some major hurdles. Maybe because this is so large, we'll look at the real problems that we have and look for real answers. And I'm here to tell you tonight that those real answers are found in Christ. That's where we're going to get the answers to those things. It's not going to come from a governmental solution. It's going to be when people's hearts are softened towards the things of God. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. There's perfect peace that's available to us tonight in its constancy. The peace of God doesn't come today and disappear tomorrow. It's permanent. It's not intermittent would be another way to look at it. The peace that we have because of who we are in Christ isn't here today and gone tomorrow and then come back next week. It is a peace that surpasses everything we face, including things like we're facing as we awaken to a new way of life tomorrow. And the promise here that he will keep. God's got this. Only he can keep us. Only he will keep us. And so as we turn to him, we have what we can't produce ourselves. There's constancy to it. You see, I can't produce circumstantial peace. I'm not a researcher. I, I, I will not be working tonight on how to find a cure an antiviral drug that will destroy this, this thing that we're facing called the COVID-19 or the coronavirus. I won't be working on that. I'll be working on some Bible studies, how we're going to hold virtual church when we can't come to this building. It's probably going to get filmed in our living room. It'll be okay. God's got this. He will keep us when our minds are stayed on him. How does this peace come to us? Well, we're told in Scripture, Colossians verse, chapter 1, verse 20 says, it, it, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within us. It's through the blood of the cross, it's through Jesus Christ that I have this perfect peace. Because knowing him is the answer to every difficulty we face in life. One day, the, the fact of the matter is, nobody has figured out how to defeat death save King Jesus. And so we're all going to die. We've all been dying. When I took my first breath, it was the first breath I would take towards my last breath. And one day, unless the Lord comes and gets his church, which may well happen, might happen tonight. One day I'm going to take my last breath, but I know in whom I have believed and that he is able to keep that which is committed unto him right to the very day of Christ Jesus. When I go home, I'm going home to Jesus. That peace also comes by a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not external, it's internal. It comes to us when we believe on Jesus Christ. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then transfers a characteristic of God himself that the Apostle Paul describes in the book of Galatians when writing about the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, the fruit of the Spirit is love and is joy and peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control, all things that we are going to be in very short supply of, and the Holy Spirit can resupply you moment by moment, day by day, as you need these things. And you're going to need these things. And so as you confess Christ as Savior, as you believe on the Lord, as the Holy Spirit supplies you with what you have need of, and as you cry out to him, then the Holy Spirit floods in and fills you with all that you have need of. One of the reasons we're actually doing this service and we'll continue to do our services online throughout this crisis is because that peace also comes from God's word. It's encouragement to us. It's life to us. If you look up the great promise, which is made in Psalm 119, verse 165, things, people, life can disturb us, cause us to stumble. 
But as we meditate on the word of God, we have perfect peace. It's going to be a time for you to get in where you're going to have more time to do some devotional reading of the Bible than you've probably ever had in your adult life. And I would say to you, there's no better time to fall in love with the word of God than during this time where we're sequestered in our homes and living life in a, in a way that we are not used to. Can I tell you that people in Afghanistan are used to living in their homes and not going very far? Can I tell you the people in Syria are used to staying in their homes and not going very far? Can I tell you during the Second World War, really every war, people are sequestered in their homes and their threat of going outside is death. We're not facing that. We're simply facing a time when we're trying to wipe out an illness that's killing too many people. And so don't let what's happening destroy the, the peace that we have because God's word tells us that our minds will be stayed in him and at perfect peace when we rest and trust in him. We also have peace in our obedience. If we walk in his statutes, the book of Leviticus tells us, chapter 26, if we keep his commandments, he will keep our hearts at perfect peace. And so because our Bibles clearly tell us there in Romans 13 to obey the government that's been put over us, as we do that, then it's up to God to give us peace. It's not up to us to find a political solution. It's up to us to find a heaven solution. And so take it to the Lord. Be obedient to his commands. Do your part, and you absolutely can trust that God will do his. It's time to be in, in praise and in prayer over this circumstance, that it would be shortened. It's not a time for us to get worked up. It's a time for prayer and praise. It's a time for you to show your children what it looks like when mom and dad trust Jesus. It's time for us to join together with people who may be in need. You may run across somebody who has need and you may be able to help them. So let God keep you at perfect peace. I want you to see just a couple of simple things before we close tonight. There are two conditions that are mentioned here in our passage in Isaiah. Notice there what it says. Whose mind is steadfast and who trusts in you and that you is the Lord. That we're not moved away by other thoughts, that we aren't pushed away because we've read too many news articles. And while I'll stay away from casting any blame in this area, the amount of negativity that's been in the news is bearing on our country. And I'm actually asking the news media right now to be very careful about what you print and what you allow online because God is going to hold you responsible for it. You may never answer to me. I may never see you but you will answer to God one day for what you do with what's going on right now. And I also want to speak to those who might take advantage of this situation for either political means, financial gain, or some leverage over people who are impoverished. The Lord will miss none of it, and you will answer to the King of heaven for your misdeeds. And so mark my words, you will pay a price for abusing God's people. Don't do it. When our minds are steadfast, when our minds are, in a sense, in the hand of God, they're hidden in God, then he governs the way we think. And so he wants to have control of our heads, our minds, our thought processes. And we are going to have to submit what we think to the Lord over this next month. We can't get caught up in, in allowing those who would seek to drive us apart, seek to use this for political gain, financial gain, or, or for some form of abuse to divide us. 
we have to be steadfast, unmoved. We have to have our hearts centered on the Lord right now. God's the author of peace. He's the giver of peace. And as we trust in him, it is on him to to honor his promises. And an interesting thing, if you notice what happens here is you begin with God. This passage ends with God. It's the you and it ends with you. Then our trusting, our souls, our minds go between God in the beginning and God in the end. And why am I saying that? Because our king is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The book of Revelation reminds us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. That there was none before him, there'll be none after him. But there is nothing too hard for him. And so as we spend time in these next 24 hours trying to figure out where we're going to go, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. It's there that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. We have an opportunity, church, when our minds are stayed on Jehovah, when our hearts are fully blessed, when we do that, it is only then that we're at peace and rest. And we're going to need peace in the days to come. We're going to need patience in the days to come. We're certainly going to need provision in the days to come and power in the days to come. We're going to need to lean on the promises in the days to come. We're going to have to seek from outside of ourselves to watch the Lord work in our lives. And so I want to encourage you not not to come away from this time tonight depressed, but possessed of the king, literally in the control of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, because he really does have this. We don't know the practical steps that we're going to take over the next month. But I know that he will never leave us. I know he'll never forsake us. I know that no matter how bad this looks right now, practically, that he's going to somehow bring a work about uh, in our lives that we never expected. And so use it as an opportunity to minister to your neighbors. Use it as a time where you get to grow closer to the Lord. Maybe God wants to heal your marriage. Maybe the Lord wants to work in the lives of your children. Maybe you're that dad that hasn't taken a walk with his kids in so long you can't remember. You're going to have time to do that. Maybe you've not spoken to your neighbors. You don't even know who they are. You're going to have time to do that. Maybe you've always wanted to say hi to the postman when he comes by. You're going to have time to do that. Maybe that exercise you've been putting off since the beginning of the year, you're going to have time to do some of that. But when we wake up a month from now, maybe sooner, and we should optimistically pray towards that end that this gets lifted well before the date that's been thrown out there tonight. When we get past this, we should be better for it. And we should be resting and trusting in the peace that surpasses our human understanding that certainly will be guarded by our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we close tonight, let's not forget the totality of this verse. You will keep him in perfect peace. Not imperfect peace, not the peace of the lack of negative circumstance, but the perfect peace of God, whose mind our thinking is stayed on him, God, you, because he, we, us, trust in him, you, that is God. Would you pray with me? 
Father, we come tonight and admit that we're frightened. Lord, some of us are just downright fearful of what tomorrow will bring. And so we pray for the business owners, people who might be facing foreclosure or the loss of a business that they poured their life into. Lord, for families that don't yet have enough food. God, for people who are wondering where their mortgage payment's coming from, we pray for great patience with those who are around us. Lord, we pray that you give us a heart of help, one that looks at our neighbor and sees where we might be able to be used of you to to bring peace and comfort and joy. Father, we thank you that you've not forsaken us, that you aren't leaving us, but we also recognize that our nation has sinned in so many ways, and we pray that this time would bring about revival in our land. Lord, that multitudes would turn to you and repent of their sins and confess that they need a Savior and that you, Jesus, are the only name whereby men must be saved. And so, Lord, tonight as we begin uh, this month of something that's so different, we don't have anything to compare it to. Would you keep our minds stayed in perfect peace? Lord, help us to not be moved. And Lord, where people have excess, that they'd be willing to give. Where people have need, that they'd be willing to ask. Lord, give our government tremendous wisdom. Lord, from heaven, speak to our president right now, our vice president. Lord, our congressmen and women. Lord, our senators. Lord, our governor today, our state senate, our county leaders, our city leaders. Lord, law enforcement, the National Guard, whoever will be out attempting to keep chaos from reigning. Lord, would you keep people calm, keep their minds at peace. And so, Lord, we deliver into our gracious Father's hands our very lives. We thank you that you love us, that we come to you as your children, not as beggars looking for a handout, but as children looking for the gracious, wonderful gifts that can be given by our Father. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves into your hand. We pray for those tonight that need to know you, that as they confess you as Lord, just exactly as was said to the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas simply said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the one true king the only Savior. And so we cry out to you, save us, Lord. We shout hallelujah and praise because you are still good. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.